0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Crunch Time with Caitlin. This episode, I'm joined by Josh Vargo, a.k.a. JV Gaming, on Twitch. He's a Twitch partner. He plays MLB The Show, Madden. Uh, He's also a YouTube content creator. He creates, you know, MLB The Show content. He also creates um, Cleveland sports videos. So as a fellow Cleveland sports fan, it it should be a super fun episode. We're going to talk about the Browns, maybe a little bit of Indians, and how it is to create on YouTube. So it should be a super fun episode. So I hope you stick around and I hope you enjoy. So I'm here with JV Gaming. And my first question to you, right off the bat. The Browns are 5-2 and two right now, but was 1-31 worth it?
1: Man, was 1-31 worth it. Isn't it weird asking that? It really it is, is.
0: It is weird, but it, I think, you know... Everybody I have on i'm just going to ask that question right off the bat because yeah it's it's just like it's an important I, I think it's super important to 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 ask that I mean I mean I don't want to you know take up your time, but go ahead
1: no, no, you're good i just I think it's the good opener first of all, and secondly it's like it's weird hearing it out loud like was one in thirty one worth it um, I'm going to say, yeah, it was just because of how the vision kind of looks from here, right? You got Stefanski who, for the first time in a long time, it feels like we've, you know, hit it right on the nose as far as getting the right guy in here. You got a good offensive line who's young, who's going to be here. You can see what's going to kind of happen there, how things are kind of molding into form. You know, you just extended Kareem Hunt's deal. So him and and Chubb will be here for at least three more years as long as Nick Chubb is franchise tag I'm assuming they'll franchise tag him in that final year but uh, at worst I think they franchise tag him I don't see them letting him walk but regardless you can see what they're kind of building here you got that power running game the you know kind of what a lot of fans have been asking for especially here in the AFC North you know we have to be able to run the football if we want to compete and then it just so happens that we have some weapons outside to where you know once we get that run game going you know we let teams not forget I guess you can say that we can still throw the ball as well. The play action opening up, you got, you know, weapons. I know Odell just went down and that one's going to hurt a little bit, but it just – this team seems to kind of be gelling at the right time. Everybody's young, uh, exciting. I think at worst you know what you're going to get this year, which is still pretty good. It's the best we've seen in a very long time, and I think kind of the sky's the limit as far as, you know, as far as the future holds. So, yeah, I think the 1-31 was worth it because at this point – I don't think, you know, you know, I don't think there's anything to be upset about. I think from here on out, it's all going to be, you know, fun and good football, especially on the ground with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And
0: are you of the kind of the believer of, I think there's a a large majority of Browns fans who think if Kevin Stefanski was hired last year, that we probably aren't seeing, wouldn't have seen the, the, the same results as we are with him in his first year this year?
1: Yeah, and I can see where a lot of people come from as well just because of the offensive line last year, you know. If if Stefanski would have came into this offense and, you know, Hubbard was still playing left tackle or whoever they, they you know may wanted it to be and the offensive line was just kind of a mess, I think it would have I think it would have been a bad thing for Baker and the bunch just with the wrong, wrong scheme and the wrong pieces. It just it you know they fired John Dorsey, they brought in GM Andrew Berry, and things just happened, you know, positively quickly in the right direction. So, you know, you brought in Andrew Barry, that offensive line right off the rip. It just seemed like that was their main focus. They went out and got, um, what's his face? The right tackle from Tennessee. Yeah, having- Coughlin. Coughlin, I don't know why I wanted to say one, but Coughlin from uh, Tennessee, they drafted Wills in the first round. You you put Wyatt Teller in at right guard. He seems to be one of the best right guard in football. It just seems like everything clicked correctly at the right time, as well as, you know, bringing Stefanski in as well. And things are just kind of clicking. And it seems like a little bit of luck, maybe, because I thought when Freddie Kitchens was here and, and John Dorsey, you know, in his second year, it kind of seemed like John Dorsey was the, the savior, the savior of the Browns. It felt that way for a little bit. But things happened quickly as far as him moving on and him finding new work and, I just feel like this regime's really got it going in the right direction.
0: So talking about, like, how we are now, Browns are 5-2. and two. What are your thoughts on Kevin Stefanski and, and his entire coaching staff? Because, I mean, my goodness, they've they've dealt with so many injuries so far. And oh, to yeah. be, you know, to be 5-2, and two, it's just – even those two losses, like, you know, I, I've talked about it before. You, to get blown out, it sucks, and it sucks to lose to, you know, Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh. But you lost to the third and fourth longest tenured head coaches in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and and two teams that are just full of Hall of Famers, it seems like, at this point, right? Yeah, for and, real. And if you would have asked anybody, especially Browns fans in general, but anybody around, you know, sports, if, if the Browns had been five and two through seven weeks this year, I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have believed you or would have called you a homer. But, you know, whatever they would have said probably wouldn't have been in a positive manner. So yeah, I'm hyped about 5 and 2. The two losses like you said they sucked, but at the end of the day, young team, we had no preseason, this, you know, this is pretty much best case scenario I think for this team. If anybody thought we were just going to drop this team off in 20 you know, 2020 in the midst of COVID and first year everything, first year scheme, head coach, play calling, offensive lines new, and if we just thought they were going to roll out there and go 7 and 0 in the first 7 weeks, I just You know, I I want to pump the brakes a little bit there with people, but yeah, five and two best case scenario, I really think. And I don't think we can say enough about the coaching staff. I think it starts with coaching and that's not something you can always say with a, a good young team, but I think it starts with coaching and then it's trickling down the rest of the roster.
0: So kind of talking about coaching in, you know, third year of Baker Mayfield, I call him an enigma because I mean, he's just so confusing of a player because you have to factor in. You, you have to factor in four different head coaches in three years, three different schemes in three years and th- going into this year, you know, like, like you just said, a no off season, you know, no off season, no, um, no preseason uh, just, you know, what are your thoughts on, on, on his play so far? Um, I have some of the stats for him so far, 15 touchdowns to seven interceptions uh, close to 1400 yards and a 63% completion percentage.
1: Yeah. And, compared to last season's numbers that was you know those are good numbers because last year he was more so 50-50 with the touchdowns and interceptions about halfway through the season <clears throat> so the only thing my only gripe with baker is the turnovers that he has that just make you really scratch your head it's they don't happen every time he turns the ball over and sometimes i'm okay you know especially those 50-50 balls or you know we want to be aggressive we're taking shots downfield and sometimes you're going to have interceptions like that and I always I always go back to say Baker reminds me most of Brett Favre. And Brett Favre was pretty keen on turning the ball over too. But you know what you were getting out of him as far as being aggressive. And he's always going to push the ball downfield. And at the end of the day, he's going to give your team a chance. My only gripe with Baker, though, like I said, is is the head-scratching interceptions where it's like a quick one read. And it's just, it, it you know, it's got like a – he shows flashes of like Deshaun Kaiser or something. It It almost looks like he forgot what happened on the football field – the previous you know 20 plus years of his life and you just see flashes of that it's just like you know scratch your head where was that and then you know but he's one of those guys he can come back the next drive and make three throw you know three throws you know from one hash to the next and you're just like well you know there's only a handful of guy, you know handful of guys in this world who can make the throw that he just made there but yeah his numbers through the first seven are I think okay right I mean obviously we would probably like the turnovers have come down a little bit but last week's performance with the five touchdowns really really helped these look a little bit better but you know first year everything's new I don't think those are bad numbers at all especially with a guy who like you said who switched head coaches x amount of times in in three years He's, he's to this point kind of been set up to fail so I have no issues with these numbers I expect him to play better down the stretch I believe you do too so I think things will they'll get better and his numbers will continue to climb
0: well, I think it's. I, I think you know. To your point, you know, I think last Sunday was, you know, the perfect analogy to of Baker Mayfield, where he has a head scratching, you know, he underthrows Odell, and unfortunately, you know, it. I mean, the play itself doesn't result in Odell getting hurt. It was the, uh, the turf of, you know, Paul Brown Stadium, or at, right, right. I think it's Paul Brown Stadium. Right, um, right. You know, he, he his knee gets caught or, you know, his cleek gets caught and he tears his ACL, but it's he under throws the ball. He starts out 0-5. I mean, I guess the one Kareem Hunt just dropped the wide open screen pass, which I mean, yeah, and it contributes to, you know, it, it wasn't a bad throw, but um he starts out awful, but goes, what, 22 of 23. The one incompletion is when they got to spike the ball. And then, I mean, oh, yeah,
1: which should count by the way, but yeah. yeah,
0: it it really shouldn't, but it's just. Like, I hate man. that
1: they kind of spike.
0: Yeah, it is just or that, and like when you kneel down, and you lose a rushing yard. It's kind. It's yeah. like come on, it's it's kind the of the worst. Dumb. Um. But yeah, like it it just, it's the perfect. You know, in in previous episodes, I've I've kind of talked about like Baker Mayfield. His highs are top five quarterback highs, but his oh, lows yeah. are just like you said, like. He's never played quarterback ever in his life where, where, you know, the first interception against uh, Pittsburgh where he just doesn't read, Minka up the same contract, thing, just basic. There right in the, right in the middle of the field. Right. So, but um, then next drive, yeah, you can
1: come back and look like the best quarterback in the world. It's it's confusing sometimes. Like we last week, I was really sitting there thinking after the first quarter pass, like man, we seriously might see Case Keenum. This is just so bad. You know how much longer is you know Stefanski going to put himself out there to you know to drive before he makes a switch. You know I kind of I kind of got sucked into the the funk, I guess you can say, and I always call the funk the negativity, you know the social media, you know the slander, you know how it is and, and yeah. Baker mayfield's wife kind of went off about it last week, and I guess you could say I kind of got caught up because i 'm expecting you know I 'm expecting to walk into Cincinnati and you know at four and two and and I hate to say it, but put a whooping on them you know because they're that kind of team, those are the teams that you're supposed to be beating at this point.
0: Oh, so I absolutely. kinda got
1: I kind of got sucked into it a little bit. I'm like, well, I, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad nor surprised if we saw Case Keenum come up in this next quarter because of how poor Baker looked. And then <laughs> halftime rolled around and I'm like, okay, this could be okay. And then by the end of the game, I'm thinking like we're going to the Super Bowl. That that's the the highs and lows that happened in that Cincy game. Um obviously kidding about the Super Bowl comment, but you know, it just felt that way like Weird. And, you know, next week would be, it could be a, a totally different story. But yeah, lots of highs and lows early on this year with Baker for sure.
0: I mean, it's just crazy. Like, like you said, because I, I was in the same boat. I was like, he's obviously not healthy. You know, he, yeah, he, under, he underthrew Odell on the, you know, his first throw of the game. He just looked off. And it's just like, he's just not, he's just not comfortable. And then, you know, credit to Kevin Stefanski to just kind of get him into a rhythm. And, yeah. you know, talking about Odell, um, do you think they're going to play better without him? Because the stats, I I have some of the stats right here. His stats with OBJ in the lineup, 22 games, uh, 59.7% completion percentage, uh, close to 5,000 yards. He's averaging uh, 223 yards per game with Odell in the lineup, 32 touchdowns, and 27 interceptions. Now, without OBJ, (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy, 15 games, Sixty-five point six percent completion percentage. He four thousand yards, but it averages to two hundred and sixty-eight yards per game. Thirty-two touchdowns, so the same amount of touchdowns in seven less games, and only fifteen interceptions, so twelve less interceptions. Do you? I don't. I'm not going to say the Browns are a better team because I don't think they are without OBJ. But do you think Baker will play better?
1: I think he he will. I think Baker will play better, but at the same time, I think we'll miss Odell. Um, I don't think anybody with you know in the right state of mind can say that the Browns beat Dallas without Odell, right? So Odell really really carried in, in, in Dallas. I don't want to say carry, but he made a couple of plays that probably only Odell you know Beckham Jr. can make. But at the same time, I think the offense will flow more smoothly just because there's not that. You know, that that little lingering thought in the back of your head is, I, you know, I need to get this guy touches. I need to figure out how to get this guy the ball. You know, if I'm Baker, I'm in the huddle. I'm calling a play and, you know, you know play A1 is to X receiver. That receiver is Odell. You got to be able to look at Odell and be like, okay, yeah, I'm not throwing you the ball here if you're not open. You know, those kind of things. And I, I do think that plays a part, especially with a young quarterback and, and, and a quarterback who's playing with a you know, an icon. I, I, I hate to use the word icon, but I'm gonna use the word icon, an icon like Odell Beckham, because everybody's expecting him to 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 touch the ball, to make big plays. People, you know, some people show up to the stadium just to watch a guy like Odell Beckham. So I do think there's something that lingers in the back of a quarterback's head about getting the guy the ball. And I think at times we do see Baker try to force the ball to Beckham. There's just so many plays where you can go back and see force throw after force throw from Baker to Odell. And it's just so obvious, like they don't throw this ball here. If it's any, you know, if it's not Odell, if it was Higgins running that route, he would have had no job. You know, he would have had no questions as to, you know, skip through and to continue going through his progression to the next receiver. But because it's Odell, he feels like he's got to make the perfect throw force it in there. And I do think that happens that time. So I think Baker will play more freely. I think the offense will play more, you know, less stress free, but when they need a big play or, you know, there's a big money play to be made, you're, you're going to miss a guy like Odell because he just makes some plays that only, you know, guys like him can make.
0: Because of the Odell injury, do you think that they make a, a trade by Tuesday of next week to go get a receiver? I know you've put out a YouTube video on it, um, but do you think – But I know those were guys you were target, like you know, guys who the Browns could potentially, you know, be targeting. But do you think they pulled the actual trigger on a on a move?
1: I I think there's going to be a move made. I think they're gonna call just about everybody they can about who's available. Right, the Julio. I'm talking big names, Julio Jones, the Adam Thielen's. Um, guys around the league whose whose teams could be looking to dump some salary because of COVID, so I do think they make the calls. Uh, I you know I believe you think they're going to make the calls too, right? That's their job, of course. Mm-hmm. GM Andrew Berry and and Andrew Berry is super aggressive, even outside of you know the last time I see with Cleveland when he was with Philly. I mean they were just so so aggressive in all aspects of you know acquiring players, and I and I always remember the 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 press conference when GM Andrew Berry came into Cleveland and. And he talked about it. He says, I'm going to be super, super aggressive. And and he has been in year one. And I think that continues. I mean, this team's hungry. This team's looking to play playoff football. I think that front office knows what it would mean to the city, to the quarterback, to the locker room, just to get a taste of some postseason football, whether it's a wild card, you know, an extra wild card spot, whatever it may be. I do think they, you know. I do think they think it's important for this young team to just get a taste of that winning football, a little bit of a culture change. So I do, I think they make a move. I I know a lot of people are hoping guys, you know, for guys like Thielen, Gallup, uh, maybe Julio Jones. I think it's going to be more mid-level a guy who comes to mind for me is Perriman who we had here a couple of years ago who could play on the outside because I think they trust Higgins to play over the middle and, and some slot here and there, you know, because because of how comfortable he is with Baker, but I don't mm-hmm. think they trust People's Jones on the outside to stretch defenses just yet. I think they think they may have that in People's Jones in the future, but I think if they bring in a guy like Perriman, or uh, T.Y. Hilton, if the Colts, you know somebody somebody in that that little mid range level, uh, somebody was talking about Keenan Allen. I don't know if he's healthy or if if he's even able to be traded but more mid-level than elite receiver i do i think they bring somebody in just for depth i figure they think they may lose another receiver you know due to injury injuries have just been insane this year so yeah i, th- I think they make a move i don't think it's going to be an elite wide receiver just because of how much money is caught up in the receiver room already but yeah i think they make a move and my prediction is going to be Paraman. i think they bring Paraman, especially with how well him baker played in that first go around uh and and he'll cost you nothing, essentially nothing.
0: Yeah, and, and I think he's on a one-year deal, and I think, know, I think he's in concussion protocol. But I think, you know, you got to think, you know, a, a super late sixth or seventh round pick just, you know, gets the Jets right. yeah. some assets in order to, because I mean, they're they're just a dumpster fire; they're not going anywhere.
1: So. They are. Uh, they will be an interesting team to watch in the off season. That's for sure.
0: Are they worse than the 0 and 16 Browns?
1: They are. I think they are. Just because at least the own sixteen team, Brown, you know, the own sixteen team that we had, they showed like heart. They were in so many close games that yeah, year. This Jets team is just. I mean, they don't even look like they want to be out there. And I and you maybe we don't blame them, right? They, they their head coach. I think they can see through the you know the BS. The head coach is just god awful. I think they know he's gone. They don't really have anything to play for. Uh, and and you see it on the field. I mean, they just they look. Like, like you said, a complete dumpster fire.
0: Can can we just all laugh at Greg Williams potentially being part of two O and sixteen teams and back to back stops?
1: Yeah, and this one is extremely bad because uh, he 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 did a lot of talking in the off season, and he's talking about you know wanting a head coaching gig, and he you know he shouldn't be passed up on these head coaching interviews. Uh, well, I mean first thing I'm going to look at when I see a resume is Owen 16 and, and he's done it two times. So yeah, not, doesn't bode well for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I see that. And I just have PTSD of Jabril Peppers lining up 30 yards off the line of scrimmage. No yeah. Might guess. It,
1: probably the reason why he ended up getting traded because the yeah. old regime had, I mean, the new regime, you know, they, they had nothing, they had no J you know, no tape to judge him off of. We didn't know how we can play in the box. I mean, that's what happens when you, you pretty much played with 10 defenders on the field.
0: So speaking of things awful this Browns defense outside of Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward as great as Miles Garrett is probably defensive player of the year um this this defense oof. how do you i mean i do, do you think do you think they make two trades do you think maybe they go after Perryman do you and maybe grab another you know defensive player maybe um the safety from, from the jets and like a two way, you know, a, a two player trade or something like that.
1: Yeah. We're talking Marcus may, right? Yeah. Marcus may. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I do. I, I think they, I mean, obviously I think priority is, is on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I just think it's easier to obtain a, you know, a mid-level receiver at that point, we're pretty much talking, you know, what are we throwing in? But as yeah. far as the defensive side of the ball goes, teams aren't just willing to give away good talent, especially in positions where we, we need help, you know, safety, depth at corner, linebacker. It's just one of those, you know, those aren't positions that just grow on trees and teams are just like, yeah, here, you know, take it. But there's a couple options out there. And the one that I keep coming back to is that theoretic for David Njoku trade to, to the Cardinals. And, and I know the Cardinals are, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking playoffs at this point too. And they're just so desperate for tight end help. And I think Njoku is a guy for them that makes a lot of sense because he'll, you know, it won't take much for them to acquire Najoku. They'd throw in a guy like Riddick, who, who doesn't even play every snap for them. Who's kind of a, kind of a guy in the scheme who doesn't fit. But he's a guy who would come in in day one, be in an instant starter for the Browns, and probably be a top four, five defender on their roster. So that's one move that I think could really, really help flip things quickly on the defensive side of the ball. And then, yeah, there's a few names at safety I like, and I think you would agree. Marcus May from the Jets. We have um, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith from the Vikings. I think the Vikings could, uh, you know, be set to go through a little fire sale. You got the safety in Atlanta, the Keanu Neal. He, I know he's been expressed about wanting to go and, and contend, so so why not there? But, yeah, they're, they're going to have to fix – the defensive side of the ball. I think mainly it's going to happen through the draft, but I do think we'll see moves here and there. Cause like we talked about earlier, it's just Andrew Barry can't help it, but, but be aggressive. And I think teams this year are going to be really looking to dump because of what happened with COVID and, and everything else.
0: And I think, you know, talking about like making a move, I, I think it, you know, it, it behooves this front office to, you know, to, to go out and get and get two players, you know, because i mean this this the, the job this coaching staff has done is i mean i don't like we've said before i I don't think anybody really expected um five and two and and just to to play as well as they have and um you know kind of looking forward to th- the rest of the season you know they they play this week uh, against the Raiders, then they have their bye week, then they play at home against Houston, or yeah at home against Houston, at home against Philly and then on the road against Jacksonville, uh, on the road against Tennessee, at home against Baltimore, then on the road against the New York teams, and then finishing up in Pittsburgh. Five and two right now. Where do you think they end up at the end of this year?
1: Well, I think this week, the week before the bye against the Raiders, is huge on where where your season could go. So, I think they win against the Raiders. I like the Raiders, but I think, like matchup-wise, I think even especially defensively, I think this bodes well for the Browns. And then you head into the bye, and then you have kind of a, a three-game stretch where you might be able to go three and zero. So I, I think from this point moving forward, it's going to be a lot of winning football. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to say eleven and five, but a loss to the Raiders this week, and I, I think it ends up being ten and six. Um, but if they beat this Raiders team, I mean, like you said, after this bye week, we're, we got some games on the schedule where you're just like, well, they're going to be favorite here, they're going to be a favorite there, favorites here. It's not not too many games where you look at it and you go, okay, that's a loss. You know, Tennessee kind of jumps out in Baltimore, but outside of that, I, the schedule is very favorable. So I'll say eleven and eleven and five, but with a loss this week to the Raiders, if that ends up happening, ten and five. I mean, ten and six.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you know. The way I look at it is, you know, they won this. They won last week against Cincinnati. So, can you beat Jacksonville? Can you beat the New York teams? Yes, that that's eight wins right there. Can you give me two wins? Can you give me two wins? With four of those games at home, against you know uh, the Raiders, like you said, uh, Houston, the Eagles, and Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Five of those games at home right can you can you just give me those games like like that's it just give me two and you're probably the six or seven seed
1: right and at the same token when you look at it you I look at that and I go man there's no way we don't at least get two right so I feel pretty confidently in saying at worst the Browns win 10 games this year the only thing I can think changes the fact of the Browns at minimum 10 games this year would be injuries in key spots so Fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. And, and let's not forget, we got a guy by the name of Nick Chubb coming back probably right after this Raiders game who's going to be healthy, fresh legs, you know, down the stretch. And I think it's going to be huge, especially for those games in the cold weather, you know, at home against, you know, Jacksonville, or I'm sorry, I get, you know, against Philly, Tennessee. We, you know, it's the weather's not going to be great. You're going to have a running game, a good offensive line. I think it, you know it's it's a recipe for success for the Browns moving down the stretch. Usually, the team that can control the line of scrimmage and, and run the ball, the you know the best plays well down the stretch. And I just think the Browns are the you know they're on that path.
0: Talking about the the Nick Chubb injury, do you, do you think that was the most impactful injury of you know of of this team of the laundry list, or do you think it's someone like uh, Grant Delpit, you know, losing him? Early on, in, or you know, right before the beginning of the season, or was it you know Wyatt Teller who, you know, who I think is on pace to miss his third straight game um, against the Raiders, but hopefully he'll be back by you know after the bye week.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say Grant Delpit was the biggest injury. Um, having Kareem Hunt is just such you know a luxury, and I don't want to take anything away from Dearness Johnson, who, who's the, I think surprised a lot of people and have won a lot of people over this year um, you know i've i've heard of him a lot of people have heard of him but a lot of the casual fans are on there didn't know the dearness johnson story which is a good one i i really suggest people to look that up if if you haven't already and then um yeah just the depth that they have there at the running back position yeah i think we can kind of tell that we miss nick chubb at, at points of the game or there's times where you just know he'd break off a 20 plus yarder you know he's just a good guy to have but as far as absolute need and who was the biggest injury I just keep going back to Delpit because he was one of those guys where where you when you draft a guy like that just one guy on the back end of your defense can be such a culture change you know shifter kind of guy Delpit was just he, he screamed that he coming over being all over the field he would have been hash to hash and I'll tell you this he would have been a lot better back there than Sendejo. so after watching Sendejo through the first you know, seven weeks through this year, I'm going to say, yeah, Delpit was the biggest injury because I know for a fact that Sendejo would uh, at least get to the ball quicker, be around the ball a little bit more, and would probably intercept those balls that Sendejo seems to be a step behind through the seven weeks of this year. Plus we're just so thin at safety right now. So yeah, I'm going to say Grant Delpit. Plus at the end of the day, you know, he's a rookie. He's a guy that you just want, you know, you don't want him to get that first year in and under his belt. So when, you know, Going into 2021, he'd have been a second year safety. So now we got to look at him in 21 as a rookie, even though, well, you know, the first year on his contracts already passed and he wasn't a first rounder. So you only get those rookies for four years. So it's almost like getting Del for three years and it kind of, he's, you know, he's a year behind. So it kind of sucks there.
0: Kind of speaking of 23, because I don't even call him by his actual name. He doesn't deserve it. He's been no. the most disappointed player, right? On this team like i don't, I don't think anybody expected yeah i don't think anybody expected him to be this terrible like no, i just don't and, understand and it and honestly
1: and and i do want to and i want to point this out real quickly i know a lot of people who were excited about Sandejo coming over to this team and me included i thought he'd be a guy who would help you because of depth you know having him as the third safety or the fourth safety on the field having him as a complementary piece with delpit and joseph i think you'd have been a good fit there You know, helping those guys groom, helping the young guys groom, but now that we actually have to ask him to be the guy in the back end of the defense, yeah, that's that's pretty scary. So I I can't lie; I was excited when he was coming over just because of that culture, you know, that that Vikings culture that he kind of brought with him, and you know, being with Stefanski. So yeah, I, I was excited, but him having to play meaningful football and having to lean on him has been terrifying. He's he's just been. Absolutely bad. And I like what you said. Uh, I think I'm going to start calling him 23. He no, he no longer gets a name.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's just – I don't know what's worse, just him giving up these giant plays in the middle of the field or him almost killing Denzel Ward. It seems like – it seems weekly. it happens once or twice a game. Well, he'll just fly in late, and he's just shoulder in, and he's like – he's almost killing – and it's always Denzel Ward. Like like the uh, against the uh, Dallas – when all he has to do is just just make a play on the ball, he at least tips it, but he goes for the giant hit, oh, and yeah. he hits Denzel Ward instead. And it's just like, Jesus. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, this guy. I mean, there's something to to, to play, you know, 100 miles per hour. Like, I think everybody likes it, and I think you got to be kind of crazy to play safety, just regardless in the, in the NFL. But to play completely reckless like he does – as a veteran at, I mean, he's like a 10 year pro he's 32 years old. Like, how are you, how are you like this? I, I just don't understand it. It, it drives me nuts every day. And,
1: and like I, and, and and it would have been nice to have with him being the third safety. He'd almost be like an extra linebacker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be great. But when you're asked to be the starting safety and we're already dealing with injuries and you're running around there, like, like, like you're playing rugby and you're just out there trying to have fun. Yeah, it's it's frustrating and I swear every time there's a big play downfield or every time there's one of those plays where it's, you know, it's a 50-50 ball, he is always involved and it is never positive.
0: I mean, his his best play might have been last week when he gave up the touchdown to Gio Bernard. As yeah, imagine as if
1: he would have tackled him in bounds cuz everybody everybody's going let him score. Yep. Right? Because they got the first down. And essentially and and I don't know why they didn't. They could have kneeled it a couple times, kicked the field goal and the Browns would have been left with pennies on the change as far as time left, like 30 you know 30 seconds or whatever it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I imagine if he would have made the tackle he probably would have been hyped and all in the meanwhile realized that he probably just blew the game. So yeah, thankfully he's continued to suck on that last drive for the Bengals.
0: So kind of transitioning to a disappointment, our Cleveland Indians, I know you're a big Indians fan, Um, to to lose in the playoffs like they did again, I just, I, I feel like this team is stuck. They're stuck in a position where they that like they're good enough to make the playoffs every year, but they're not good enough to win a world series. And my question is, you know, just what is the, what is your opinion on the state of the Indians? And then, you know, we'll get into Francisco Lindor talk, trade talk and stuff like that.
1: No, I agree with you. I think, uh, they're in one of those positions that no small market team wants to be in—the the position of, do we restart? Because at the end of the day, as a small market team, and and I'm and I'm not saying that to rag on the Indians. It's just it is what it is. We're a small market team, and you you get your windows in baseball. Um, you see it all the time. The Rays are doing it right now. I always go back to what the Royals did, um, X amount of years back with that with that core of, you know, Alex Gordon and, you know, uh, who else? Who was the first? Oh, Eric Hosmer. Yeah. yeah, they just, that core that they had, you know, that young core that was just always a, you know, a thorn. Plus they had that awesome bullpen with Wade Davis. Uh, but every small market team gets their window and and the Indians had their window. And I And I think you would agree it was 2016 to about that 2018 season. There was those three years there. And, you know, obviously 2016 didn't go to the way we thought, but their window hasn't really reset. And that's because of how good guys like Lindor have been at this, such a young age, the, the young pitching staff is dominant. And it just seems like they continue to grow, starting pitching like it's on trees. I, every year, a new starting pitcher is, is having a Cy Young, you know, sort of deep year for the Indians. So, because of the pitching and because of Lindor being so good and they were able to lock up Jose Ramirez and, and, and Carrasco for pretty good team-friendly deals like a few years back, they, they're, they're still good at a time where I think they should be kind of resetting. Um, and right now they're in a spot, like you said, where, where you know, what, what's, what are they going to do with Lindor? Uh, are they going to trade a guy like Carrasco who means so much to the franchise? You know, do they really want to fully reset next year? You know, knowing that Lindor is probably on the outskirts Um, or do they continue to battle it out with this starting pitching and play slightly above 500 baseball and, you know, try to make a wild card, you know, potentially fight for the division or do you sell? You know, it's it's one of those positions, like I said, no small market team wants, to be in i mean obviously you you, you want to win but you don't want to have to make that decision of do we do we press reset and, and do what we think's best or do we continue to ride it out with these guys that have you know been so so loyal and the fans who who have come to love
0: yeah i just i just i just don't i don't know either i mean and i think that's you know the the
1: and another thing and i, and I hate to cut you off and another no, thing ahead. you have to kind of you have to kind of think about is is what are the other teams in your division doing? And, and right now it seems like the Chicago White Sox are are set to take over. And I still think the Twins are 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 slightly better than you. But the only thing that you have on them is starting pitching. And and each year you seem to be just you know what I mean. It, it, you're kind of in a slugfest with 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 Minnesota as far as talent goes. And at, all in the meanwhile, I just feel like the Chicago White Sox are really right now about to ascend into the elite, you know, top three, four, five teams in all of baseball. I do think it's the white Sox' time. So that's another thing I'm sure the GM and and that front office is looking at like, okay, you know, is this division totally out of reach and where do we go from here?
0: Yeah. and, And it doesn't help where, you know, you're coming off this crazy COVID season where, you know, I think Antonetti already came out and said, you know, I think the quote was they've already lost tens of millions of dollars due to COVID-19 for their payroll. So you got to think, you know, Lindor's gone. Just financially speaking, they, they probably can't even afford him. Um, Like you said, uh, you know, Carrasco could be on the chopping block because he's kind of, you know, number two when it comes to high payroll guys. Um, yeah,
1: and he still has some value, right? So you, I know you kind of have him under lock for a few more years, Carrasco, and I know a lot of people say well, you can move him to the bullpen, but at the same time, when you have talent like that as a small market team, they're investments, right? So you want to get you want you want to get back, and you want to have something long term when you feel like you're going to lose out on your investment, so. For me, I feel like Carrasco's best baseball is behind him. I still think he could pitch at a high level. But at this point, I still think you can get good pieces back for him if you traded him. But at the same time, our starting pitching right now is, is pretty deep. So so why not, right? Maybe right now is the time. Um, I think the casual fan could probably agree with that. And I, and I just know – because Antonetti – and I have to give him just – the most ultimate respect. I think he's done such a terrific job with the the hand he's dealt every year. Um, The way that they're able to kind of tiptoe around this whole small market, low money situation is, you know, they've done a great job, but yeah. um, It's, it's a tough situation for them to be in.
0: And especially, you know, someone like Carrasco who might be their number four starter who might not, I mean, who might be their fifth best talent wise starter. I mean, when you have you know, you have Shane Bieber, who's the best pitcher in the American League, and he's going to win the Cy Young.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you
0: have Plesac, who just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody expected him to be.
1: Yeah, you know, and as if somebody good. told me, yeah, and if somebody told me, Dan, you know, was, you know, Pleszak was going to win the Cy Young next year, I, I wouldn't be able to look you dead in the, you know, eye and be like, no, he's not. He, he could. He's yeah. that good.
0: Without a doubt. And then you have, you know, Savali, who's, you know, almost pitching like. Like a mini Corey Kluber, you know, which is it's, yeah. it's just crazy to even think. And then you have you know guys like Tristan McKenzie, almost... and then you know you still have um, you know I think you have a number of guys in the minor leagues who who just haven't had an opportunity yet.
1: Right, and you, and you would have to imagine that a couple of those guys in the minor league who are fringe guys, say they got three or four fringe guys in the minor leagues as far as talent goes or what they could be as far as development, you would think one or two of them are going to come out to be great because that's just the Browns. I mean, the Browns, that's just what the Indians have showed you that they just breed starting pitching. Now I wish they can do that with the offensive side of the ball, because I feel like we never ever develop offense, you know, through our system. And I know people are going to be like, well, what about Lindor? And you know, what about J Ram? Okay. I'll I'll give you J Ram, but even Lindor, he never truly has developed into an elite hitter. Um, And a lot of people say, well, the Indians are done, or the Indians have no chance next year. I I really think the Indians can find somebody to hit 270 and, pl- and play short next year. And like, what what? How much worse is that than what Lindor gave you this year? And that's no knock on Lindor. I think you and I know he's he's you know he's on his way to be a Hall of Famer, barring an injury. But you know, offensively, it's not. I don't I don't think he was, you know, the second coming of Jesus by any means.
0: No, I mean I think a lot of fans also kind of kind of turned on him with just the kind of like the, the, I don't want to say, I guess, fakeness, just it, it didn't come off as genuine as, you know, like just his mannerisms and like number two, you know, looking at the stats, he is an awful hitter in the clutch, like completely awful. Like I think he's yeah. like a 230, 240 career hitter when there's runners in scoring position and, and, and they need a run.
1: And he became really selfish in his last two years here at the plate. And like I'm talking, you know, when you need a base hit, it, it's a tie game in the seventh, and you need a base hit. He he's swinging, he's trying to hit a five-run homer, right, with nobody on base. I Wanted the Lindor, who came up through the minor league system, and and, and in his first year, you know, he was hitting 300 plus. He was you know driving in runs. He was hitting doubles. He was hitting gap to gap. He kind of you know there towards the end of his. Campaign here in Cleveland because I do think it's over. I, people were starting to shift on him. He he was starting to have the shift on him, and and that's not good to see from a guy who's playing short as a switch hitter, who's known as a five-tool player. If if you, if you have the shift on you and you want to be a five-tool player, you're doing something wrong.
0: Right, and and I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, I think his first, I think in 2016, I think he hit around 300, had you know close to 20 home runs.
1: Yeah, and then and there I was mean, nobody else I would rather have up at the plate than him.
0: Right, and then you know, after that, I mean, I think he was hitting his his average drop to to you know the high two seventies. I mean, you love you love the home runs, like everybody loves home runs, but Absolutely. as a leadoff hitter and as your kind of cornerstone piece, I think people would rather have a a twenty home run hitter who would hit around three hundred, just just an overall balance hitter. And then it, it did seem like he was just very selfish at the plate, like you said, especially this year when they bumped him to, you know, the number three hole. Because, I mean, for the most part, Cesar Hernandez played pretty well at second base and as a lead off hitter. And, you know, we we all know how right. great J-Ram, you know, kind of turned it up that, that last month of the year. Um,
1: it's just kind of what you've been waiting on, right? Because we knew it was there. Right. We knew he right. had that in him.
0: Yeah. And it's more the consistency. And I think, you know, the issue with J Ram, I think a lot of people were kind of talk about is, you know, he was trying to beat the shift and go the other way instead of just swinging hard. And, Mm -hmm. you know, unlike our favorite game, that will be the show. If you, if you, if you have high exit velo, you're probably going to get a base hit. Right. You know, so it just, it just sucks. It just sucks. So, kind of talking about Lindor, you know, where do you think he ends up?
1: I think he ends up with whatever team gives him the most amount of money. And I know he's saying all the right things right now and that it's not all about money, but when we're talking close to half a billion dollars, it's it's all about money, right? I mean mm-hmm. that's we're talking about a different world of kind of money. When you're when you're making that kind of money, it matters. So, you know, I don't want to hear the, you know, it's not always about money. It is. If it's not always about money, the teams who have money wouldn't you know, pay these players huge amounts of money. So it is. I, I think the Indians are going to trade him, and I think they're going to try to do it as quick as possible just because I feel like it's a dark cloud kind of looming over the organization at this point. And I think for both sides involved, Lindor and this team and this team's future, I think it's best if they move him. So I think he gets moved via the trade. And now that doesn't necessarily mean he's got to be traded to a team that's going to extend him long-term. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think he can get moved to a team who's looking to contend, which can be, you know, whatever team, right? The contenders out there. But then he can also be moved to a team and, and a team that I keep thinking about is Miami. And I'm gonna keep saying Miami. Miami's my prediction. It's a team who just built a new stadium recently. They're a team with young talent, a team who found themselves in the postseason this year, a team who has Derek Jeter in the front office. Being in Miami, close to Puerto Rico where he's from, you know, I mean we're talking an hour flight. Uh, I just think Miami makes all the sense. He can go to Miami, play in the beautiful weather. He's expressed how much he loves the Miami area. Um, I just, I think they can pay him. I think they would make him the face of the franchise for 10 plus years and then build around him with what they have there. And I think it makes most sense. So I'm going to go with Miami, but, you know, keep a lookout for the New York Mets as well.
0: Yeah. I was just about to say, I was going to say those two teams, because I mean, like, like you said about Miami and, and, you know, the Mets are, like they have the talent they have the talent and with new ownership potentially you know they're going to have you know giant pocketbooks um you know kind of talking about my one of my last questions about just the indians in general do you think that they could potentially like be better without lindor kind of like how the nationals were you know ended up winning a world series without bryce harper
1: Yes. I I talked to this. I talked about this the other day with my buddy. I I think the Indians actually have a more successful year next year, but then the year after next year is when I, I think it starts to get ugly as far as financially, but yeah, I mean, if they move Lindor and say they get two prospects and two MLB helping kind of guys, like we'll say mid-level guys, we're talking about two starters on offense I'll say outfielders or maybe an infielder and an outfielder, but they move them and they get two MLB ready pieces. You're getting two for one back, right? Plus you're helping the future of your team. But if you get two guys back in return or hit, and I'm looking at the numbers here, Lindor hit 258 last year. If you get two guys in return who who can hit 260 plus, plus go out and get two, three other guys with that money that you're supposed to pay him to help this team, um, statistically and if we're just going to talk numbers you would have to be better right obviously Shane Bieber is going to have to kind of repeat what he did last season which almost seems way unrealistic but at the same boat I think guys like and and Savali I I think are just going to be better so even if Bieber isn't you know going 20 and 2 on the year I, I do think that the other starters that we have will be better and just get better because naturally they're just going to continue to grow and 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 excel as players. So, yeah, I do. I, I think so. I also think Karen check and, and who's the
0: in class a from the Rangers. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. I think they're going to, those two guys in the back end of our bullpen are just going to give teams fits. Tito will be back. Um, I do. I, I think the Indians will be contenders for a couple more years, but I do think their window to win a world series has closed. Um, but crazier things have happened. That's why baseball is great. You don't always have to be the best team. You don't have to be the best team on paper. You just have to be, you know, come September, be playing good baseball, hot baseball, and having the right pieces to win, kind of like the Rays this year. And, and I always look at that 2016 Indians team. Things mm-hmm. just happened at the right time. They they went out and got Andrew Miller and said, let's let's go win a World Series. And, oh, man, they were close. <laughs> they know, were they close.
0: Were for real. So, so you do think Tito will be back?
1: I do. Uh, I don't think he as – as a person. And, and he's just such a God, he's just such a good heart. You know what I mean? He's, and I hate saying that cause it sounds cheesy, but he is just one of the most likable respected human beings and not just in baseball, but in all of sports. And I don't think that's how he can go out. Um, now with that being said, I think this could be his last year. And I'm afraid for one, one thing I'm afraid of about this potentially being his last year is I'm afraid that he'll talk ownership into just letting the Lindor thing ride out and trying to go get it this year. You know, Tito's last year, Lindor's last year. Um, But, yeah, I think we're going to see Tito take a couple breaks next season, you know, a couple vacations, I guess we'll say. They'll, They'll say he'll be sick just to get his mind right mentally, and they'll let Sandy take over again. And then, yeah, Tito's last year, next year. The Indians are going to be slightly better. I think they'll be better in the bullpen, and I think they'll be better offensively. And then, uh, yeah, that's – and then after that, I think things start to go towards the reset button. But we'll see. I mean, the starting pitching just has you to believe in, and it, and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon.
0: Well, it – it, I mean, how do you not – unless you're going to trade everybody away, but it, you're not going to do that because they're so young and they're, they're only a handful of – I mean, I think what Shane Beaver's on his, I think his second year, going into his second year of, or his third year of major league time. So he's on this team for the next three years at least. Uh, Zach Plezak, I think, you know, with the, yeah, Zach Plezak being sent down this year could have helped him. Could have, I think, ended up helping uh, the, or I mean, it helped the Indians, you know, add another year of service time. So it's just like unless they're trading all this, which is a smart trade- move. Yeah, I know, without a doubt, people
1: gave them so much flack about that. When you're a small market team, it's those kind of moves that that just turns you from okay to good or good to great. Um, so credit to Antonetti again.
0: I mean, shit. I mean, Chris Bryant won the Rookie of the Year and the MVP for the Cubs in in, in 2015. Yet they had to wait until. I think it was like the middle of April. They had to wait like ten days to get that extra year of service time, and right. I don't think anybody's upset, you know, with that they're in the situation that they are now with with Chris no. Bryant. It's it doesn't it doesn't really make sense. So, you know, our last little topic I do want to ask you about you know your streaming and uh, you know video games and and stuff like that because, you know. We both uh, enjoy video games. Number one, you know what system? What new system are you rocking? Are you are you getting the new PS uh, PS5? Or are you going to get the new Xbox?
1: I'm going with the PS5. I can honestly say, and this is going to sound bad because I've I've been playing video games my whole life. My life kind of revolves around video games. Um, I've never owned an Xbox. I honestly wouldn't even be able if I picked up an Xbox controller. I would have no idea how to use it, turn it on, plug it in, anything. Uh, so yeah playstation it'll probably be playstation for the rest of my life but that's no knock on xbox i just i've never owned one
0: so you didn't even have like a 360 or anything
1: nothing ever i've honestly have probably played less than one hour of gameplay on an xbox in my life
0: that's actually kind of crazy because i think it's kind of weird because like i you know majority of people where i talk to they're like oh yeah i either had you know a ps2 and then i went to xbox 360 and then i went to 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 the ps4 but you're yeah. you're just pure playstation the entire time
1: always and and i, I it's probably because i'm a Browns fan i'm just i'm faithful i don't have it in me to jump ship at this point
0: no i i understand i understand so you know you're you're a twitch partner how how when did you become a twitch partner and uh you know just you, you're going full-time into streaming um how's that going so far
1: it's it's been a grind um so yeah i've been a twitch partner for a while i I would say about four years, but in the last two years i've kind of just been off and on as far as do I want to make content do I not you know i'm getting older i'm trying to figure out what I want to do, you know, just as life progresses so i'm trying to trying to find the way I guess you can say but so yeah, recently last you know a couple of weeks ago, oh, I decided just because of some things that have lined up in my life and you know time and service time and yada yada I have this 2 year gap or window to really take some time off of working full time and and chasing a dream so currently chasing just trying to make content and turn content and making content into a stable enough income to potentially you know you know make people laugh and talk sports and play sports and mess around uh, you know playing video games and such you know for a living so we're chasing that dream and seeing how that goes, but it yeah, it's a grind. YouTube trying to grow on YouTube. And I feel like I have just a knack for Twitch, you know, just my personality. But YouTube is just this different monster. So we're 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 currently trying to figure that out. So that's been that's been motivating, it's been humbling, but uh it's been fun because I, I learned something new every day, making and editing and messing around on YouTube. So yeah. And, you know we're on a journey and we're just having fun with it for now
0: do you I, I you're one of my favorite twitch streamers and you know being a cleveland fan that's why i also wanted to have you on the podcast mm-hmm. um so you enjoy the the streaming part of it more than like the the, the youtube creating videos part of it because you also yeah, play, be- like cleveland sports videos also
1: yeah so cool. i do yeah i do the cleveland sports videos which is just kind of like what I do out of enjoyment, as far as YouTube goes, I, I really enjoy sports, right. Talking sports, real life sports. I just feels like it, it just rolls off the tongue and it's enjoyable. Like, I feel like we've been doing this podcast for 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. cause I, f- I feel like I could go on and on. Cause I just, I, cr- I just enjoy talking sports, but um, yeah, I, I, the Twitch thing for me is just better because I feel like I'm getting live reactions and and i could talk about a topic and get live results or you know i can ask somebody how their day is going currently or we could talk about an event that just happened and and it's kind of more live and i feel like i just have more of a knack you know a knack of talking in front of people which is more what twitch is and then when you go to youtube YouTube's more of like putting on a performance for one person so you know I, that might be kind of confusing to some people but when, there's just, there's a, there's a different feeling between streaming and knowing multiple people are watching, multiple people are watching you between a video where you're trying to appease a certain person over a certain topic, if that makes sense.
0: No, that, that makes, that makes a- actual total sense. Um, obviously you play MLB the show a lot. Is, is that your favorite game to play and stream or, you know, is there other games that, that, uh, that you like? I know you've, sometimes stream and, and play men um but just overall like are you just pure sports games do you play at like call of duty no stuff like that uh
1: so i i play the shooters but i'm just so god awfully bad at the shooters that i i tend to not stream it because it's 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 really hard to f- play a shooting game at at a level that is good all at the same time as trying to interact with a a chat, you know, mm-hmm. and I like the sports games because there's always a pause. So when you're playing a game like MLB the show, you know, you have a break in between pitches or in between innings or in between you know, a base hit or, you know, in between a touchdown. But when you're playing a shooter or if you're playing a battle royale game, you could be alive for 30 minutes and there not be any activity but you still have to be so freaking into the game because of noises and footsteps that it it's so much harder to interact with that chat. So yeah, Plus it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt that I love talking sports so much, so it, it just kinda goes hand in hand. But yeah. More so the sports games than than the shooters, but yeah, I, I am a sucker for the shooters in the moment and the battle royale wave that's kind of taken over the last few years.
0: You big on Warzone?
1: Yeah, I like Warzone. I enjoy I enjoy it. Uh, it's probably the game I'm best at as far as shooters go. But I'm too aggressive. I always find myself getting killed, you know, doing something I shouldn't be doing instead of playing it out if that makes sense
0: no 1000 because you know i like when i'm done with this i'm probably gonna hop on warzone too it's just like it's it's I, I love that game and i don't are you frustrated with like the gameplay when it comes to a lot of these sports games like mlb the show this year i was so hyped for but man after that first patch it like it it really kind of deflated my hype for the game, even as, even as ridiculous as it was. Even the pitch, like the pitching was so off. This is not to, you know, kind of go on a rant, but I felt like the pitching was so bad that they had to, that they saw it and they were like, oh my God, we have to break hitting when all they, I guess, had to do was not have good pitches, just hang right over the middle of the plate. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing that happens every year. So the game comes out and it, when it first comes out, it's the best version of that, that mm-hmm. game. So like when the game dropped this year, if they wouldn't have patched the game, it, it it would still be better than it is right now with zero patches. And and they've patched it 20 plus times, right? Mm-hmm. But if they wouldn't have patched it at all, it still would have been the best version of this game. And that's been the case every year. They, they try to patch and, and, and tweak one thing to appease, you know, the community. But when they appease the community and fix this one thing, it well then you just broke three other things on this side. And that happens every year. Um, maybe these new generation and these these new systems will will fix that. Maybe they'll have more more room and more power and more technology to kind of just attack these uh, these bugs and these animations. But yeah, every year it just it, it seems like. The deeper the year goes on the worse the games gets. And then maybe one week it'll be good. Like what just happened this week, everything changed. And then, yeah, the next day back to, back to, you know, 40 mile an hour exit velos.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> like, I, like I haven't even played it in a week. And like, I want to, I'm at like, I'm in the mid eight hundreds. And I'm just like, I can't even, I can't even just get to world series. Like I don't, I don't even want to play. And like, see, that's the thing what's frustrating about MLB the show. Like, like, Madden, it is what it is. Like, you know, the, with the microtransactions and, and the pay-to-win, basically, when, when it comes to, like, Madden and, and 2K. Mm-hmm. But, like, MLB, like, it's the unique game where there's microtransactions, but I did not put, outside of buying the the, the MVP version of the game, the $80 version, I did not put one cent into that game.
1: And you, you don't could, need to. You
0: don't need to at all. If and you don't even really have to be good you know they give you a free 99 basically every just just playing the game and it's just it's just uh, it's just frustrating it's just frustrating and hopefully that
1: doesn't change because them going multi-platform this year and maybe even pc some some people think we're hoping that they don't you know chase the money because this is a perfect opportunity for them to chase the money and as a business I, i get why they might chase the money. But I'm hoping, as a franchise, and and just because of how unique they are as a my team franchise, as far as gaming goes in the sports gaming world, because I do I don't think anybody does content like SDS. As frustrating as gameplay can be, I just hope they don't chase the money, right, and and add forms of currency and and all kinds of other things. But at the same token, you know those guys have worked their butts off for over a decade now. If if they chase the money, I wouldn't blame them, but yeah, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting couple of years for MLB the Show, for sure.
0: I just always thought it was weird that it was only a PlayStation game, like a major baseball game.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that was believe, that was
0: the reason why I got a PlayStation. You know? Yeah,
1: I believe San Diego Studios probably hated that, right? But it was just the fact that 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 Sony owned them and really was like, "Well, we're not we're not going to let our competitors, you know, have this." So, yeah, I don't know what the rules are and how that all works, but. I'm sure as a company and as far as San Diego Studios is concerned, they're they're thrilled at what's to come as far as the opportunities with next gen and multi-platform, you know, gaming.
0: To kind of end on a on a nice bright note, what, what were some of your favorite games you've been growing up to play?
1: Man, I've always been kind of basic. It was, you know, Grand Theft Auto and Madden and Call of Duties, just the most basic popular game at that time I didn't really own like a GameCube or a 360 or any of the Nintendo systems, so I didn't have like the Mario Party days and such but but my one game that I played that was outside of Sony early on was uh, GoldenEye that was like the game that changed shooters for me right because you went from just like solo shooters on these maps that are stage to oh my gosh, now you're shooting against four other live players or six other live players. And then from that point on, multi, you know, multiplayer gaming, I just I was hungry for it because of Goldeneye, I believe. The the thrill of playing against another person did it for me. So yeah, Goldeneye and then after Goldeneye was so calm Navy SEALs, the shooter, and then Call of Duty was developed and their multiplayer developed in yeah, Call of Duty pretty much took over the world at that point.
0: Yeah, did, did you ever get into the NFL 2K5? like with, I did. That's, is, is that the best football game of all time?
1: For its time, yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'd rather play these Madden games just because of the technology today and the my teams. But for any game for its time, uh, I would say that or the MVP Baseball 05. Yeah.
0: Yeah, MVP Baseball. I was just yeah. gonna say it's crazy you like could flip a two, quarter on it. Yeah, those two games, like at this like they, they came out the exact same time, but to everybody are those are like still the god tier sports games. And yeah, MLB the show is is great, but I mean to have like an owner mode for, for NFL two K to have you know Chris Berman doing the halftime yeah. and in and, and post game and and even if you're playing like a franchise, like the week to week sports centers like like i it's crazy and then now you know we just have we it it was elite and you know it's it's disappointing because because you just played the my the 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 mutt for men right you don't even play do you play franchise mode at all
1: i've been looking for a good franchise mode to get into like you know a a long-standing one where you play like multiple seasons and you develop players and you know, and the, the settings are on to where not everybody's winning every single game they're playing. Mm-hmm. But I just, I have so much on the plate right now where I don't want to keep, you know, trying to commit and doing things that I can't go through on. But, man, I've been itching to get into, like, a realistic franchise group, I guess you could say. Because I know they're out there, some dedicated ones. I'm trying to get one. Yeah, yeah, with the,
0: but it's just, if you... If you play those connect like it's connected franchise now, it's just it's just not the same, and it, and it's just like the basic stuff, and, and and I mean that's why you know the the hash I think it was hashtag you know fix men was trending for you know weeks at a time, where mm-hmm. it's like you know you you want a different coach, okay, so you fire your head coach, but you just get a list of generic names. Where in the past, like they had legitimate offensive, defensive, special team coordinators and you could like pluck somebody from from a different team to be your head coach. And right. it's just it's just disappointing how lazy, you know, a, a game like Madden is cuz like it's you know kind of like MLB the Show but you know where they have that sport monopolized. I mean 2 k too, all I mean 2K also but you know I think if you're a 2K player you you're playing it for the my career if you're playing it for the park, you're playing it for the pro ams. And I guess right. my team a little bit but you know, when you have a a, a team like a, a, the most popular sport when it comes to football, there's no NCAA yet. You just got to deal with the most basic franchise mode that most people want to play. I just I think it's a little annoying. Hopefully, it changes. No. I'm not too confident. And I think it has to
1: change, right? Because EA at one point was was trending on Twitter, Twitter on <laughs> Twitter for the most. You know, the most unpositive thing they could. And I think they're, you know, fans are starting to be like, yeah, enough is enough. And, and I think the, you know, the fans of the Madden franchise actually caught the ear of, of the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL and, and Madden had a discussion about it because that was, that's a big deal to be trending on Twitter with, with, I mean, at this point, Twitter is a, a form of, you know, mass social media. It wasn't a good look for them. They got the one of the lowest grades of all time in sports gaming history this year for ratings. That's Madden. Uh, I I think it's a big year for them next year with that first year on the next gen consoles, and and I think we're gonna have a lot of franchise, um, you know, a lot of franchise things remodeled and implemented. And I'm excited because I think we did a good job this this year of getting. Getting the ears of the people who mattered, and next year with it being on next gen, I think they know that they gotta they gotta deliver.
0: I think that'll do it for this discussion. We've already gone like an hour.
1: Yeah, not bad.
0: Um, you want to shout out your Twitter, shout out your YouTube, shout out your your Twitch, go on ahead.
1: Uh, I'll just shout out the Twitch, and then you could pretty much find everything from there. But yeah, just twitch.tv backslash jvxgaming. Uh, that goes for Twitter as well, just the JVX gaming. Uh, but yeah, everything you want to find, just look it up on Google or Twitch and you can find it there. We'd be happy to have you talk sports and Cleveland sports and play sports all at the same time. Tons of sports.
0: Well, again, thank you, JV, for, for, for joining me. Um, this has been the episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin. You can follow me on Twitter at CaitlinNoseCLE. That is Caitlin, K A T E L A N, knows K N O W S C L E. And I will see you